I'm M. Sauter, better known as Pints and Panels. And I'm Don Tess, better known as the Don of Beer. Welcome to the 20th episode of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And if you're feeling generous or friendly or whatever, uh, visit patreon.com forward slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. This week on the show, we're going to be talking where tradition meets modern when it comes to the world of Pilsner. So, Don, I know you got one. What's your favorite version of Pilsner? <laughs> I don't have one, Em. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I love about beer generally is I love when I have like a, a classic, classic Pilsner. It's so delicious. It's classic for a reason, sure. uh, like Pilsner or Kell or whatever. And then, you know, just when you think, you, just when you think you've had perfection, you have like an Italian pilsner, and it's and it, it's it's perfect in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just love, I I love I love it all. So sorry, sorry. No, no, no. So, but I assume because you asked me that, you must have an answer. I do, I do. I love Italian pilsners, and I'm really excited to speak to one of our guests today about that style because. It's refreshing, it's traditional, and they make a really good one. So I'm very, very excited to talk about it. Every time there's an Italian Pilsner on the menu, uh, I'm like, that's yeah, what that, that's what yeah. I'm going for. Just because it's so, they're just so, like, it's everything a German Pilsner is, but then, like, just a little, like, a little drier, a little hoppier, a little, they're just, they, yeah, I, I love them. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's great. They're great. I could go for one right now, actually. <laughs> So anyway, we'll get in. Uh, we'll introduce our guests and get into a conversation. But first, if you'd like to help support the All About Beer podcast, reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Estrella Galicia is an independent family-owned brewery in Northwest Spain, founded in 1906. Estrella Galicia Cerveza Especial is a world-class lager, brewed using the finest Spanish malts, locally cultivated Galician hops, and the best brewing practices made out of the state-of-the-art facility in Acruña. Recognized around the world for quality and exceptional character, Estrella Galicia is a beer like no other. To learn more about Estrella Galicia, follow them at Estrella Galicia USA on Instagram. Looking for an easy hop sourcing experience? Yakima Valley Hops offers the finest quality hops from right here in our valley and premium growing regions around the world. Get the hops you need when you need them with ultra-fast shipping and awesome customer service. With a full line of liquid hop products and all your favorite varieties, no contracts are needed to brew with the best. Shop now at yakimavalleyhops.com. That's Y-A-K-I-M-A, valleyhops.com. Luke LaFontaine's brewing career spans 30 years across multiple continents. Anchored by a decade-long stint at Dudeciel Brewery in Montreal, before venturing on his own to open Ushitora Brewery in Tochiji, Japan, back in 2014. After years of travel and collaboration with some of the industry's most celebrated brewers, LaFontaine moved back to Toronto, Canada to found Godspeed Brewery in 2017. Today, his inspiration-first approach to brewing has refocused his attention on Czech brewing tradition, where, in partnership and consultation with the Czech government, he's looking to break new ground for lager brewing in Canada. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, your brewery is Godspeed, right? Yeah. Making sure. Sorry, I'm all up again. Um, <laughs> that's fun. Um, I was told by Don, you guys just started doing pitch-lined uh fooders or barrels for lagering is that accurate uh yeah that's accurate so can you tell us a little bit about that and like what is pitch lining like how did it you know that's pretty traditional how are you doing like modern spins on it anything like that because it's pretty old school but it's really cool to see breweries bringing it back uh yeah i mean uh, um well the the nice thing about about uh the story of the pitch line at Godspeed is uh, uh, in 2021, in October of 2021, uh, I was invited by Pilsner Urkel 
to join them for uh, uh, three weeks time. Oh, and wow. I, um, yeah, so they invite me to actually, um, to actually build uh, some, some barrels, some traditional uh, 40 hectoliter barrels uh, for me. First time they do that in history. Uh, seems like I'm, uh, I was the chosen one. So wow, um, I've, I, yeah, cool. I, I've been working on this project for uh, over four years and obviously COVID came and a bit of delays and stuff, but uh, yeah, so the barrels are, are made by the Coopers at Pilsner Kell, uh, which is pretty amazing. And that pitch that we can uh, talk about uh, it's uh, that kind of resin, that secret recipe that uh, they wouldn't even want to tell me even after spending three weeks with them um oh. it's all it's also the pitch uh the pitch from pilsner kale that they've been using for you know 180 years or something like that so yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool um yeah so i mean where where start so i got the barrels in 2000 uh no i got the barrels last year in october so uh one year after after they were built so they were pitched at, at pilsner kale they kept it in the cellars for a little while repitched them send them by boat and uh, i got them at godspeed and i was just uh crossing my fingers that everything would work uh, properly because uh the uh the coopers there for three weeks they they were always telling me uh you don't know what you're getting into you don't know what you're getting into <laughs> So and I said, you know what, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work, and uh, so yeah, actually, I'm I'm making it work now. Um, yeah. What is in the? What are you putting in the barrels? Are you doing Pilsner? Are you doing? So, yeah, yeah, so beers? Here, yeah. Yeah. So I have a beer that I I start making about two years ago. It's called Sklepnik. So Sklepnik in uh, in Czech means a cellar cellar man. Uh, so I was doing a. I was doing like a, uh, a stainless steel version of it, but it would the whole the whole project was to you know uh, kind of switch it to the to the barrels when when they were gonna uh, arrive. So uh, so yeah, so I do a uh, I want to say traditional traditional um, Pilsen style lager because I refuse to call it Pilsner. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm very purist. I say there's you know I think. I think that Pilsner Kell kind of screwed up by not protecting the name Pilsner. Uh, maybe some people would hate me saying this, but for me, it's really uh, if it's not brewed in Pilsen, it's not a Pilsner. So, um, so I call it a Pilsen Pilsen style uh, lager. Um, so it 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 all started uh, back in back in the days, like in uh, um, early two thousand tens when I first visited Urkel. And I don't know if you've been there, but when you do the tour, you you will go at the end of the tour. They bring you to the uh, to the cellars, and they will make you taste the beer from the barrels. And uh, this is where it all come from for me. That was a you know in my still in my top three revelation, uh, you know of, uh, of 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 beer uh, drinking. So and I always told myself that one day I want to do something like that and. Obviously, I was not at that point. I was not thinking of having uh, Pilsner Kell barrels, but um, so I'm going <laughs> to try to I'm going to try to reproduce the 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 style as much as I can. Uh, and I, I remember if it was yesterday, just like the 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 aromatic of the Saz hops that that you get into that beer says, "Wow, you know, this is Saz hops, and this is so amazing." And the balance of that beer is perfect. So. Um, so you know, I've been wanting to do this for for over ten years now, um, and um, yeah. So uh, the pitch. Uh, so what happened with the pitch? It's still for me, it's still a work in progress because I I I only fill the barrels four times now, and and I'm kind of still trying to still trying to figure out um, uh, what that pitch, which is actually a. A secret recipe but there's a it's it's basically a conifer like a tr conifer tree resins with uh you know some beeswax and some paraffin um and other stuff i don't know and i don't know the uh the amount of the percentage of the, the blend but what they do is they will uh they used to um you know uh will uh boil boil that that resin and uh will 
uh, envelope the whole uh, inside of the barrel with it. Uh, so there's a few reasons why they, they would do that. Uh, it's first of all for sanitation, second of all to um, avoid contamination, and third of all probably to uh, add an extra uh, seal, uh, you know, the bar barrel to be uh, sealed, um, adding more, um, more sealant to, to it because these barrels also will um will uh, uh sorry it's my my daughter that you're in the, in the background there <laughs> um yeah so that um that those barrels are is one of the only barrels that are made to actually uh, uh carbonate beer so they can handle enough oh. pressure to carbonate the beer yeah so um so that that's pretty amazing it's pretty unique of of these um of uh of of these barrels uh very long answer i'm sorry i'm just no, trying no, to... <laughs> no. no it's fascinating yeah um, yeah so um so anyways we, we let's uh rewind back in december of uh 2022 when i first uh filled them um you know it's like okay uh when is, is this all gonna work and so Finally, it worked. Barrel leaked a little bit, um, but every, every, everything uh, got together, uh, leaving the beers uh, for about you know six to seven weeks, uh, five to seven weeks in the barrel, and um, and then you know uh, packaging. It's um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you have more questions, or if not, I'm just gonna. I just have about a hundred questions. I was gonna yeah, say, okay, Don, Don's, Don's got a ton of questions. He always does. Yeah, yeah please. Well, I wanted to know. Um, so first of all, with that first beer, uh, five to seven weeks. So it's, uh, and you said it, it can the the barrels can withstand pressure. So you're carbonating. You're naturally carbonating in the barrel, correct? Yeah. Well, um, not quite yet. You know, like the the people at uh, the the coopers and the brewers at Pilsner Kell they say you know you go go gradually because oh, okay. obviously obviously the more the more I'm going to pitch the barrel the more they're going to be sealed the, the more they're going to also um uh, you know handle the pressure so I'm just going gradually now so uh, I, I yeah so I'm still uh, I still um start fermentation in in stainless steel then uh, we'll move it uh, at the end and just uh, bung it but Carbonation is is almost um, already, um, you know, it's it, it's already in. Basically, we're at I'm at about two point six uh, okay. two point six volume and transferring it. And but gradually, what I'm going to do is, I, yeah, is carbonate in the barrel. And and do primary fermentation in the barrel as well. Is that um, the ultimate goal? Well, I'm going to start in the stainless because, you know, at, at Urkel, what they do is they would start it in the open, uh, open wood fermenters oh, and okay. then basically, and basically transferring it to the barrel at uh, about the same, the same, uh, timing that when you're going to spund, you know, when you're going to, when you're going to cap the beer for, uh, yeah. for, um, for natural carbonation. So that's, that's the whole that's the whole goal. Unfortunately, I don't have open wood fermenters. I wish I had, but yet uh, you don't have open uh, wood fermenters yeah, yeah. yet. <laughs> yet, yet, yet. But uh, I like I like stainless also. So uh, okay. easier to clean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that you're still kind of experimenting. Like, um, yeah. What? Uh, I I assume that a beer designed to be to spend its entire life in stainless mm -hmm. is different than a beer you're you're wanting to uh put in the in the barrel so explain yeah. what those differences are and what your goal is flavor wise uh, from the consumer perspective what yeah. should i look for in your barrel beers versus your stainless beers okay uh it's very interesting uh because uh the stainless version of my sklepnik uh taste a lot more like the uh cellar beer at urkel because I, I brought some cans and we did side by side with the brewmaster and stuff and uh they were shocked how close it was um and this is my stainless version and now the wood version tastes more like the original urkel <laughs> like the, <laughs> the stainless urkel yeah so go figure um i don't know what's going on uh it's very very shocking so the 
So the uh, the stainless version, uh, you know, you have a very bright, bright size aromatic. It's, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. And the barrel, you get you get like a deeper kind of uh, malt profile, you know, a little, little bit like um, yeah, like Urquell. And the the um, the bitterness, though, the only difference, the bitterness is a little is a little sharper. And we're trying to figure it out if the pitch brings that extra sharpness or not um i'm still uh i'm still not sure so what i'm gonna do i'm going to uh probably uh drop the ibus a little bit on the next batch and you know i got kind of like trial and error and see but um yeah but you you feel like there's a there's an extra kind of um um I don't want. To, I don't know if it's bitterness or you know something that comes from the from from the the pitch the yeah. of the resin, but it, it's uh, still uh, still a a mystery. The guys at Urkel did not tell me much about it. They they kept that pretty uh, pretty up to themselves. So so it's something that I'm trying to figure out. But yeah, but right now I, I feel the the barrel tastes more like the original Urkel uh, with an extra you know like a bitterness bite and the uh and the stainless tastes more like the the seller seller that's, uh that's fascinating yeah nobody weird, knows <laughs> yeah nobody knows understands the magic of beer right like that's yeah amazing. yeah yeah i mean you know and, and uh yeah i i mean you know it's it's a it's 40 heck it's 40 heck barrel right this, there's a still kind of a lot of surface compared to if i don't know if somebody wants to make it a smaller in a smaller barrel and stuff i don't know if if this as a um, uh, makes a difference to, uh, I don't know. We'll uh, <laughs> who knows yet. Is your is your goal is your ultimate goal to make beer that is just like Pilsner or Kell, or are you trying to make a Godspeed beer? Um, I, I'd say both. I mean, yeah, I you know people always say that I I've I have my my own feel like I have my own personal touch in, in everything I do, but I have so much respect in the in the in the traditions and the traditional way of of making um, you know those um, those historical beers. So um, I'm basically probably I'm doing it my way because the way that I that I approached uh, the hopping in my Sklepnik is definitely not probably not how Urkel is is approaching it so I'm just I'm trying to mimic the the taste but with my own my own techniques I guess let me see yeah what, what other traditional methods are you using I, I like that this is a podcast about modern lager mm -hmm. but you are not <laughs> doing <No>. that <laughs> um so what other traditional um, lager methods are you using in your brew house if any well, I mean, first of all, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of strict with that. You know, I, I always joke like the, if I make a German beer, so the only thing that's not German in, in that beer is the brewer and the water. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the same, the same thing for, uh, for my Czech, uh, my, all my Czech lagers. So I, I've been, I source my, uh, my raw materials uh, in Czech Republic. So I got like a floor, a hundred percent floor, floor malted uh, Pilsner malt, and uh, and I do my my selection, my size selection, uh, with Bohemia hop, uh, and um, and David Carrier that uh, brings the uh, brings the the hops into Canada. So that's it starts with that right ingredients because uh, that's probably the most important of uh, of it all, uh, sourcing good ingredients, and then I. You know, I do the I do the traditional like uh, decoction mashing, and um, I don't do any water adjustment. Toronto water is pretty; it's not as soft as uh, definitely not as soft as Pilsen, but you know, rel relatively a good a good water to brew it. But I don't add any salt addition. You know, I just I just let it be, and um, and yeah, it's one hundred percent size hops. And but maybe the the way that I did I approach the hopping is a little different than the usual like ninety, you know, ninety, sixty, or fifteen minutes uh, hops edition that a a normal um, a Czech lager would uh, would do. And then 
you know, uh, fermentation, right? Uh, um, <clears throat> I do I do about ten Celsius, and then natural carbonation, which the, the Czech all do, and uh, yeah, that's 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 what I that's what I do. Put a lot of of love into it too. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, love is the magic ingredient in in great beer. I would argue. Oh. Yeah, uh yeah beer. you know the, the 50 degrees yeah love and uh and and caring you know that's uh you know i i take care of my beers uh every single day you know even on the weekend i just even if i'm busy with my family i'll i'll take half an hour and do, do the routine and and taste and uh, I, I think at the end of the day makes uh makes a difference yeah yeah are you pouring um are you pouring the check way and the, in your tasting room? Do you have oh, a yeah. side pole and all yeah. the, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We have seven of them. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we do the, uh, we, we do the, 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 uh, the traditional way. And, uh, we even, you know, for me, it's very important until, you know, the, you know, the beer is in the customer's hand. Right. So, um, the proper glassware and the, and the proper temperature of the glassware too. We uh, we do that now. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a gray zone with our um, uh, with our um, uh, province regulations. You know, the Ontario is so strict with. Uh, I think is the the is the uh, is the strictest place in the world for uh, the amount of of uh, chlorine that we need in our uh, you know in our glass washer like in the rinser. Um, it's pretty crazy, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, surfing on a, on a gray zone there where we, um, you know, we actually cool the glassware also to the temperature of the beer. So when it's served, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's just serve, uh, perfectly and no thermal shock anywhere and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, may, it, it makes sense, right? <laughs> it, oh, it, it totally does. Uh, I, yeah. I'm a whiskey guy, and uh, okay. e even if you like uh, ice in your whiskey, uh, I would argue that that dropping an ice cube in your whiskey causes thermal shock, and it and it just like if you were to do a polar bear plunge as a human, you jump into <laughs> a ice cold water, you will close up. And exactly. Uh, um, so yeah, I uh, I agree. I I believe in thermal shock in beverages and all that. So. <laughs> yeah you know i i studied uh i studied kinesiology in, in university and people say yeah what's the relation with beer and and the human body i said there's a lot you know there's a lot like yeah thermal shock is one you know it's like a temperature uh temperature changes another another one ph changes another one you know just like um start to fool around with the human body like that you know we struggle and i i feel the same way for beer so i have i take that approach into beer a lot Right. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, um, I wanted to ask because the, um, the barrels are pitch lined. Yep. Um, does the beer ever actually have direct contact with the oak itself? And does the oak actually contribute any flavor or is it just the pitch? Not supposed to, but, um, uh, you know, the, the barrel has been pitched only two times now. And, uh, they told me at, at Urkel's is, you know, don't, don't, don't be shocked if, if there's a bit of leak and, because it's not going to be perfect from, you know, from day one. And, you know, the more you pitch it, then the more you're going to have like a, you know, like a perfect seal in the barrel. So does it touch the wood at all? I'm not sure, but if it does a little bit, um, not a lot. And I don't think it really uh, impacts on, on, uh, on the flavor. Uh, not, not in, not in my barrels. I don't think so. Uh, I, I hope not because it's not supposed to, it's not supposed to be touching the wood. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, you were, you know, it's 40 hectoliters. Yeah. Uh, which is 4,000 liters. Yeah. Uh, so I would refer to that more as a folder, but you're, you're calling them as a barrel. Is there a difference or uh, is I it just know. a, are they um, synonyms? <laughs> um, well, you know, I put it, it's on it's on its side, right? Uh, so you know, usually a fooder. I mean, there's different kind of fooder. I'm not a specialist, so I don't know if I uh, uh, <laughs> what a 
what I'm going to say it makes sense or not. But yeah, for me, it's just like it's it's actual barrels. It's like okay. giant, giant, giant barrels. Been you know because you can make like a uh, uh, you know like a, a twenty a little twenty liter barrel like this or or four or four thousand, and it's the same principle and the same kind of uh, you know way way of of doing it. Some fooders that I saw, it's, they're kind of different. You know, they're they're on they're flip on the other side, and they, you know, so I don't know um, honestly, but I call it okay. a barrel, and uh, and people ask me all the time. It's funny because people ask me, "Hey, you brew Czech lagers, and you don't have, uh, uh, you know, you don't have the um, horizontal tank." So I say, "Well, I do have my horizontal tanks. It's my barrels." Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah um and um uh, one interesting uh story about the 40 hectoliters because you know they they gave me the option of making smaller ones if i wanted barrels and i say no i want the traditional ones and which is 40 hex and they did not tell me why uh it was 40 x and and they says we're gonna let you figure it out why why it's forty hex. So when oh. um, yeah, so when I'm at Herkel, we're we're in the cellar doing the maintenance because in October they invited me at the same time that they do the the maintenance of all the other uh, barrels that they have in the basement. So they want to teach me how to pitch the barrels and properly maintenance them. So we're moving the barrels in those you know in uh, in those corridors. There's actually nine kilometers of 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 uh corridors uh under the city of pilsen where pilsner kale used to lager their barrels now there's they're using just a just a small part of it but when you move the barrels into the those small corridors you cannot have a 45 hack barrels you know they so they build the maximum oh. size barrels that they could to move you know to roll into those uh those uh those corridors in the uh in the cellar and i i was I was amazed. Like, it's all right. <laughs> so a little story there. So that's yeah. why they that's why the traditional barrels are 40 hex. Oh, I see. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> they just what they just want to maximize like everything. So right. Yeah. So so yeah, even though you know, we like to think of all these old breweries as being all traditional, but they were economic as well. They were they were making yeah. business decisions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um uh, you and I just wanted to make sure I just didn't misunderstand this. You're mm -hmm. the only brewery other than Urkel. Yeah. You're the only brewery that has has done this that Urkel has has uh, has invited to and and yep. in the yep. world. It's you in, and them in the world. Yeah, amazing. Huh? That How, is uh, absolutely amazing. You know, I think I'm at the peak of my career, and from now it's what else can I do? I think <laughs> it's just going down from now. <laughs> <laughs> well. But, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, like brand new barrels. Yes, I think they let go a few barrels. I think like a Dry Fontaine as as a few. I think of Urkel, but they were the used one, the old ones. I think, but to actually to actually uh, make new barrels, uh, I'm definitely the first one. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I told I told them, you know, it's like. Um, you don't know what you know, they're telling me. You don't know what you're getting into. I say, well, you don't know what you're getting into because once I release those, uh, you're going to start having phone calls, I think, oh. <laughs> uh, from other breweries. And they say, you know what? <laughs> you know, and this is a bit my little kind of uh, selfish side, but they say, well, we don't have enough wood uh, to uh, make other to, to other people. And I say, well, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you. Yeah. yeah, because they they take they take the wood and uh, they're very traditional, right? They take the wood in the same forest. It's Czech, it's Czech oak. Uh, they didn't tell me which forest, but they say they take the 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 wood from the same from the same forest. And before making the barrels, they have to dry the the wood for eight years. You know, it's not like it's not that uh, that simple. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you cannot just make a barrel uh, just like that. And Traditionally, I think they make one or two every year for themselves. They do the rotation in the in the cellars. I think they have about twenty five that they're using now, and they just like and they're pretty rough on their barrels, right? They just like they slam them everywhere. So I I don't know what's the 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 uh, the life expectancy of the barrel, but it seems like they're making one or two every year uh, to change like the oldest one, you know, in the in the cellar and. 
and uh, but in 2021 they they made four hmm. yeah so it's very cool yeah Don, do you have any other questions? I'm sure you do. Um, I'm going to restrain myself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you back, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know if we we didn't really talk about uh, modern loggers, but I don't know. That's if you okay. Have, I don't well, know I if you have other questions about that or not. I think we'll have you on another time to talk about that because I liked the fact that you really focus on the traditional aspect mm -hmm. of it. So the fact that this podcast is more the intersection of traditional and modern versus yes. fully a modern. Uh, yeah. And I like that aspect as well. So, I mean, and we can always talk about modern pilsners or loggers or Czech loggers or German loggers again in the future. Yeah, uh, sure. It's... I'd, be, I'd be happy to, uh, to be back. Wonderful. Wonderful. So where can people find info about yourself and your brewery on social media, website, anything you'd like to shout out? Uh, yeah, I mean, our website, uh, godspeedbrewery.com, our uh, Instagram, I think it's godspeedbeer, at godspeedbeer, um, Twitter, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's a lot, of people's, <laughs> a lot of people's responses nowadays. And uh, Facebook, uh, obviously, like, you know, you can just sign in, like, the, the Godspeed Brewery Facebook. Um, I uh, we, We're not really... Uh, we don't do a lot of social media, but we, mm -hmm. you know, we might, we might be posting like once a week or something. Uh, and we, we did a great post actually about the, uh, about the pitch line uh, uh, barrels when I released a beer. Um, it's a, uh, it's actually a reel that uh, from videos that I took, cause I took like hundreds of videos and thousands of pictures in my, in my three weeks there. I wanted to document uh, everything. So we're going to have some more, some more reels that we're going to put about, uh, about it and we're uh we're hoping op i'm trying to have um i'm trying to have the pilsner kill crew to come in at godspeed in the end of summer fall so we're gonna do a proper release of the beer and we're gonna uh, awesome. uh yeah we're gonna bless the barrels like a check a check priest will come and bless the barrels we're gonna do like the all the traditional way and yeah i'm trying to have uh, mr berka the club berka in and and uh, maybe the master cooper in and so, uh, and hoping to maybe uh, brew a little beer with them too. So let's see. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank Yeah. Thank you for much for stopping by. And uh, I definitely want to come and try some of these beers. They sound amazing. Please, 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 please do. And by the time you're, you're in, it's probably going to be even better because, you know, I want to try it and make them better uh, every day. So. Wonderful. Well, thanks for stopping by, Luke. We really appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Thank you cheers. so much. Yeah. Cheers. cheers. Bye-bye. Estrella Galicia is an independent family-owned brewery in Northwest Spain, founded in 1906. Estrella Galicia Cerveza Especial is a world-class lager, brewed using the finest Spanish malts, locally cultivated Galician hops, and the best brewing practices made out of the state-of-the-art facility in Acruña. Recognized around the world for quality and exceptional character, Estrella Galicia is a beer like no other. To learn more about Estrella Galicia, follow them at Estrella Galicia USA on Instagram. All About Beer is back and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Looking for an easy hop sourcing experience? Yakima Valley Hops offers the finest quality hops from right here in our valley and premium growing regions around the world. Get the hops you need when you need them with ultra-fast shipping and awesome customer service. With a full line of liquid hop products and all your favorite varieties, no contracts are needed to brew with the best. Shop now at yakimavalleyhops.com. That's Y-A-K-I-M-A, valleyhops.com. Tim Adams is the founder and owner of Maine-based Oxbow Brewing Company. Founded in 2011, Oxbow specializes in producing farmhouse ales and lagers and has retail locations in Newcastle, Portland, and Oxford. Adams is a passionate skier and fly fisherman and a Yeti brand ambassador. Tim enjoys work and adventure alongside his wife, Birch, and dog, Koji. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's our pleasure. So I want to start with... Uh, for our listeners, 
what the hell is an Italian Pilsner and how is it not like an IPL or a different kind of Pilsner? What makes Italian Pilsner Italian Pilsner? Uh, an Italian Pils is a, is a very specific thing, you know, and the, the hot profile is the most important thing about it. It needs to have a traditional uh, European or noble hop character. It can't be New World style, Northwest, Australian, you know, fruity, tooty, whatever. It's got to be classic hops, but uh, elevated aroma um, from a dry hopping process. That's the, the real biggest difference between an Italian style pills and, let's say, German style pills is that it is dry hopped. And then what, like, what is, like, malt, hop, like, what are you, like, are you, you're using noble hops? Are you doing, like, what kind of dry hopping are you doing? Is it aggressive? Um, no, we... no, it's not too aggressive. It's a, okay. it's fairly, fairly delicate dry hop, but it, it does come through, you know, I mean, the base beer is a, is a pills. So there's, uh, you know, a lot of room for the, the hops to shine there. The, the malt plays a supporting role. It's, uh, it's not as, as malt forward as say a, a Czech, you know, Czech pale lager would be, um, but, uh, but yeah, just a, you know, a, a delicate, beautiful, but very decidedly, you know, hop forward pills. And how did you guys start? Because Oxbow, it was one of the first places or the first place actually to start brewing Italian Pilsners in America. Like, how did that start? What was your, what was your first experience with Italian Pilsner and why did you want to brew it? Uh, my first experience with Italian Pils, like uh, a lot of American beer drinkers and, and brewers was uh, Tipo was the, the original. Um, and I had that in the States, uh, a couple, you know, a couple different spots and I knew that beer and, and loved that beer and, you know, appreciated it's what was unique about it. Um, and then the, the real aha moment for me though, is when I went to Italy for the first time and try, you know, the first beer I had was a Tipo, you know, as fresh as could be, it was absolutely incredible. And then I started trying the other other pills that I could find. I you know I knew about um, Birificio del Ducato's uh, Via Emilia pills, um, but I had yet to have that. So I tried that one, and it was absolutely <laughs> incredible. And then was able to you know kept trying the pills over there, and they were all cut from the same cloth. You know they all had this elevated hop aroma and flavor, and uh, just kind of a, a a softness and a, a you know real drinkability to them and uh yeah it just is very apparent that it was its own unique beer style um and so we wanted to um we really hadn't been brewing lagers yet we started as a strictly farmhouse brewery doing all belgian style farmhouse ales and you know barrel aged and stainless aged mixed culture versions of those same beers but that was for the first five years of oxo that's all we did and then we really wanted to bring, you know, a lager to the world. And we decided that an Italian style pills was going to be the one. Um, and that was uh, Lupolo, our, our first pills and our flagship pills. Wow. So Lupolo was your first Pilsner or your first yep. lager? Yep. We did a couple of uh, sort of tester versions of that. We have like a, we call our freestyle series of beers. Um, and we did a couple of freestyles uh, as we were kind of dialing it in, but they were, you know, Italian style bills or you know on our quest to make lupolo which was yeah that's our first you know commercially yeah. available lager such a banger right out of the game <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> thank you you're welcome um and did you tim coin the phrase italian pilsner because i assume you know like tipo pills they don't they don't call it uh italian pilsner themselves i think they just call it a pilsner and and same with the del ducato via emilia i think they just call it pilsner they don't call it italian pilsner or am i wrong there I never noticed anybody in Italy referring to their pills as Italian style. They were just Italian brewers and this is their pills. And, you know, the right. story begins with, with Agostino and with Virificio uh, Italiano and his Tipo pills, which the name of that beer, Tipo means type. You know, he released this and he's like, well, this is not the, the pill that everybody's used to, but this is a type of pills. This is Tipo oh. pills. And then that, you know, he was really the, you know, the, the grandpa of the scene over there and like people, all the brewers that were, you know, or they maybe they weren't even brewers yet, but the beer drinkers and brewers to be that were drinking his pills that this is what pills, you know, could be like and should be like. And so the rest of the, the brewers in Italy, the, as they, you know, more breweries came out and many of them had a pills, they dry hopped it with noble hops and very much inspired by that Tipo. And that's kind of how it became this ubiquitous uh beer style over there um 
And you were talking about how, you know, it's European or noble hops. Is it specifically the more classic, you know, Holotower and, and Herzberg or that and saws and that type of thing? Or like, what are your thoughts of people using a Huel Melon or a, a more modern German hop, like a Huel Melon or, or a Mandarina? Is that okay? Or is that now uh, outside of the, the lines for an Italian Pilsner? That could be a very delicious beer, but it would not be an Italian style. Pills. Right. Okay, cool. More of like a modern Pilsner. So like, yeah, I think that's because I think that'd be a really nice dry hop Pilsner. But yeah, then you're bordering on some like, I don't even know. What, what would you call that? Delicious. I mean, besides, yeah, you know, hoppy, <laughs> hoppy lager for yeah, sure. Lager. I mean, you, know, you could you call know, it Don's new. crappy idea Pilsner. No, Don, no, stop they're, it. They're, they're, <laughs> They're great enough, you know, I've had, you know, wonderful lagers that are brewed with those hops, but they definitely have a, you know, a new world flavor that makes you think more of IPAs and pale ales than it does Pilsners and lagers. Right. right. But, but, like, by the way, yeah. I just want to say I am trademarking Don's crappy idea. All right. so Don, nobody all yours, nobody can steal that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> going. Um, no, back to Italian Pilsner. So Lupolo is one of the first, like, how do you think your creation as like an, like an American brewer had an effect on other Italian Pilsners brewed throughout America or North America, wherever? Um, does your beer differ slightly than Tipo Pilsner or are you just trying to, you know, keep it going? And then how did how do you think other because I, I love Italian Pilsners and I see a lot of breweries brew them. And then but I always think back to your beer and how it's kind of the gold standard for American Italian Pilsners. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we were the the first ones to produce a beer outside of Italy that was specifically emulating just the Italian style pills. You know, the, the one that came before us, that's a huge one was from Firestone and Pivo, mm -hmm. yes. you know, but that beer is, is of Italian, German and Czech inspiration. Um, and so, yeah, Lupolo was the, the first to be explicitly Italian, you know, style. And since I never, or I, I don't believe anybody in Italy was calling theirs an Italian style pills, you know, we're, we're pretty confident we we're the first ones to use that term. So, you know, we did, you know, bring those, those words to the, the States, even though we didn't bring that flavor profile, you know, Agassino did with, with Tipo, but by, by brewing Lupolo over here, um, we were able to get it into the hands of a lot more people. And then like very shortly after we um, just released Lupolo, we had the first, we hosted the first Pills and Love Festival in the U.S., which is the, the U.S. version of a festival that's been happening over in Italy that Agostino throws for, for quite some time, 10 or 15 years now or something like that. And it's only Pills. Um, and we had, did it in Maine, had a, a big showing tons and tons of pills, uh, and brewers from all over the place, lots of beer, beer drinkers. And that was sort of, a um, you know, an, a hot incubation moment for like love and stoke for Italian style pills amongst a lot of, a lot of brewers and beer buyers and industry people were at that event. And we're able to uh, sample a lot of, you know, Italian pills straight from Italy, nice and fresh, um, as well as a lot of other, you know, beautiful, classic, you know, noble hop type of, of loggers. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was, that was a, a big one. And then Firestone hosted it the year after, and then we hosted it the year after that. And so those festivals were definitely pretty, pretty pivotal, I think, and, uh, helping get the word out there and excited to say that pills and love, Fe pills and love fest is coming back this year. It's going to be, uh, at the Chico's in early June. I think it's the, the 10th, um, that Friday, but, uh, but yeah, that's, those were, those were big, big moments. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting to see a, a bunch of other Italian style pills popping up in the, in the States and had some really neat, uh, different versions of it. And, you know, ours was not, we weren't trying to to be exactly like Tipo. We were trying to, you know, construct a beer that like checked off the same boxes and, you know, you know, fulfilled the same kind of vibe. And we, you know, did that in our own way. And it's been cool to see a lot of other American breweries do a similar thing. You know, and each each one that I've had has been been different and unique, and, and many of them have been very very good. Um, you sort of kind of you know, talks about how malt is, is sort of a foundation for this dry hop 
profile, but um, I always think that, 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 you know, when, with the difference between good and great beer is that even the minor things are thoughtful are, are thoughtfully constructed. So even though malt is not the, the point here, how much thought do you put into it in terms of uh, like, is it important to do a decoction mash? Is it important to use certain like um, uh, European malt variety or barley variety? Uh, you know, I know in Maine, you go grow great barley. So do you use Maine barley or any thoughts on that? We actually, so we're using all main grown um, base malts for all of our farmhouse sales, but we are, we've stuck with German malts for okay. Buffalo. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a style where, you know, if a, if a brewer really wanted to uh, do a decoction in there, they, they could, but it's, you know, your the malt is a secondary background type of thing. So we forego right. the decoction, you know, with Lupolo um because we just you know aren't looking to enhance that that malt character um but yeah it's you know and that wouldn't be the kind of thing that would like throw it out of the style guidelines you know if it was a little too malty or whatever but it's right. just it's it's not really the central focus you know and um you know with italiano they their tipo pills is a is one of their shortest run bloggers um, you know, they, they do theirs in like four to five weeks, you know, we're in that five to five to six range, but still like it's not, whereas, you know, some other loggers might really truly benefit from logger maturation or longer maturation time in the tank, uh, to, to, you know, round out further, smooth out, let that malt character really come through. Um, but by releasing the Tipo and the Lupolo and other Italian style pills, you know, a little on the quicker, fresher side, it is still, you know, leaning more in that hop, hop direction. Right, right, right. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Did, uh, did, uh, words, hello. Uh, did Lupolo, because since it was your first real lager, did that kind of set the tone for other, I've, I've had, you guys brew a Munich Dunkel, right? Or a dark lager? Or am I making that up? We, we do uh, <laughs> a couple of dark lagers. Um, okay. Stap House is a, a beer that we brew every kind of fall, winter. And that's a smoked dark lager. And actually mm. there's a, a little touch of maple syrup to it as well. Hmm. Um, but we don't have a, we don't have a Dunkel. I, I love oh, Dunkel. I don't, but I don't know what don't I tried. But did like Lupolo have like set set the tone for your other loggers, and then once the success of that, did you guys kind of amp up your logger? I mean, loggers are loggers are cool now. It's what all the kids drink, um, <laughs> you know. I, I'm assuming uh, as a 40 year old woman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very but, exciting. Uh, the loggers are cool now. Yeah, I, I yeah. Will say. That was loggers being cool has really been been helpful for for Oxbow because you know we uh, there's we have a pretty tight identity i would say in terms of the, the type of stuff that we want to brew and sort of what our our ethos is and mm -hmm. the vast 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 majority of what's cool does not fall within that uh ethos of oxbo but lager does and so that's really been helpful for us so you know almost half the beer that we that we brew at this point is lager we do definitely. really oh wow um yeah quite a quite a bit and uh yeah i mean lupolo's lupolo is a big one but uh we've you know we've got a few others and it's i mean it, it's whether it's lager or farmhouse ale you know it's just kind of we we shoot for balanced beer um that's made with high quality ingredients and take our time making them you know that's just kind of our our approach and that's uh that's what we do do they do your loggers have more of a modern approach similar or are you going more traditional because i think of you as the people that brew with lobster so you guys kind of do a more modern i i, I find which is such a funny reputation yeah. for us with that and that that floats around and exists but like i've had it that one that <laughs> one that one beer which was also the result of uh, an italian Italian person was uh, we we invited over our friend Giovanni from uh, from Ducato and it was it was 2014 we'd been uh, been brewing for a few years now I've been open for a few years and we were going to brew a Goza and I was really excited you know farmhouse Goza because he had a, a killer one over there and we become friends and I wanted to become kind of you know teach me how to brew Goza his way um, but you know combined with our way farmhouse whatever 
but it was the night. And so we were going to use salt in a beer. And that was a big deal because I had yet to put anything in a beer that wasn't basically Ryan Heights Cabot compliant at that point. We we're going to use a little bit of salt. Mm. And then the night before we were at Eventide having dinner and he's, we we're having lobster and he's like, let's put a lobster in the beer. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's, you know, definitely uh, wild and crazy and outside mm -hmm. of my normal comfort zone, but you're here in town, let's do it. And so we did like that one beer and that, you know, it, that beer is just the tiniest splash in the bucket of anything we've ever done, but it like stuck with in people's minds. Um, I, yeah, but... I think it was so early, you know, <laughs> that was. like, you know, now people are brewing with like money and chicken. Right. And so, <laughs> but like back in the day, you know, I remember learning about that beer and being like, what? One, that's crazy. Two, I want to drink it because I love lobster or yeah. But uh, I just, I find that Oxbow kind of straddles this. You guys do a lot of traditional stuff, but you also do modern and like, how is it like, how is, how does Oxbow kind of ride that line? I guess was my question. I mean, we will be, you know, modern in terms of, you know, always striving to create new flavors and beers that, you know, ha don't exist, haven't existed before. And, you know, trying to contribute to the, you know, collective pool of all the, the beers that have been, you know, brewed and created by humans, but we are going to do it using traditional techniques and, um usually traditional ingredients you know asterisks next to the lobster i suppose yeah. but uh Lobster's you know like we're not you will never see us put any type like something that was already produced by another food producer and then put it in our beer you know yeah. like that's an area of modern that we're not interested in and won't do but we will mm -hmm. you know shoot for some really fun interesting herbs spice combos or you know creative barrel aging or you know whatever it is um so yeah i guess that's how we're modern old school modern old school modern <laughs> old school modern that's the name that's the title of this episode <laughs> okay. i like it i like it um i like to give a, a our listener our consumer listener something to take away and 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 carry with them as they taste beers so if you you know you, you kind of described in broad terms what an italian pilsner is but but what should consumers look for in terms of the difference between a good italian pilsner and a great italian pilsner you, you you've obviously tasted a lot of them so what's the difference what should consumers um a great see? italian yeah. pill a great italian pills as as soon as you have finished your first one you will want a second one like immediately it is just such a refreshing drinkable beer style um and when it's well made it is just such a thing of beauty you will want one right away you know if it's a little a little flabby and heavy on the malt or something like that you might drink and say wow that was cool what you know what a nice noble hop experience but yeah you know I'm, I'll, I'll try something else but yeah. when the Italian style pills is, is really perfectly balanced in all its elements you will definitely want to keep on drinking them and therefore also not super intense right so no no yeah, yeah. Awesome. and nor high in alcohol either you know they should be right around five percent um they should you know unfiltered but just a you know just a, a hint of of uh i don't even want to use the h word but you know just a, a touch of unfiltered appearance to it uh, <laughs> yes that word is a four letter it, it is a four letter word now isn't it yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Don, anything else? No, that was my that was my final question. All right. Yeah, that was that's a good one. Uh Tim, so where can people learn about Oxbow website, social media, yourself, if you have any handles you'd like to share? Yeah, totally. It's uh oxbowbeer.com and then we've got the Instagram going. Oxbow Brewing Company is the company one. And I've got one Oxbow Beer that's a little more, you know, my stuff and beer stuff and whatever thrown in the mix but mm -hmm. uh yeah and then i really hope people that are especially in the northeast can make it over to to chico's for the pills and love fest in june that's going to be a big one and the, definitely the best place to learn about a whole lot of lager and if folks are in maine come by one of our tap rooms we got spots in portland newcastle and oxford and um yeah come try our beers and hope everybody has a great summer awesome thanks so much for your time Thank you, Thanks Tim. for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Take care. Don, let's drink some Pilsners. <laughs> you don't have to twist my arm. <laughs>
I I loved the the differences yet the similarities between our two guests today. Um, yeah, and it's and it's sort of what I was alluding to in the intro to this episode, where like you have uh, Luke who like obsesses over over the the tiniest details mm-hmm. to to you know reproduce this this check log or like the you know the pitch of the of the um uh of the barrels and the you know the the side pull tap and and decoction mashing and everything and then you have um the the innovation of the italian pilsner and you know i I, i'm just babbling sorry no it's awesome (laughs) you're, you're good at that but it's it is really cool to see the how lager how it's like innovating it stays yet it always exactly the same yeah see this is why you should do all the talking you're no. way more articulate than i am that was that was yes agree 100 yeah, that's what i was trying to say yeah. it's it's just it was really interesting to to talk to both of them because they really do even though tim's focus is you know more modern pilsner and luke's focus is you know 19th century or you know the way that pilsner Raquel has been brewing you know they really have the same goals in mind and it's really exciting and I love the both of them. They're experimental um, mm-hmm. philosophy. So here is uh, Luke, who who has all of the right ingredients. Uh, you know, he imports his malt, has the has the barrels and the pitch and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the beer tastes opposite. You know, his barrel age tastes like the clean version, and his clean version tastes like the barrel version. <laughs> and and it doesn't go well. You know, I'm doing everything right, so not nothing more for me to do. He's got to figure this out, right? This yeah. is, he's, I guarantee you, he spends nights awake thinking about this. And then you have Tim who's like, okay, this is, there's this, there's this great beer called Pilsner and I'm going to make it better, right? Because I've tasted yep. these. Uh, and so I just love how, uh, well, brewers as artists, right? It's, yep. it's, you're never finished. It's always, it's uh it's always great. a process so i love it's that. really yeah. really great it's um and that episode i think that that episode made me like really want a beer more than any of our episodes which i think i say all the time but <laughs> that was just like i can buy lupolo at my like i'm going i think i'm probably going to go to the package store the liquor store right now uh and get a four pack because that beer just is damn tasty and it's always fun to see italian pilsners out and i'm very very thankful um for them to bring that up that style over because it's just it's delicious yeah yeah i agree and uh, as tim said you know a great italian pilsner one as soon as you finish one you should want one more absolutely and, uh it's just like our podcast right em like as soon as people finish <laughs> listening to one they're like oh, i need I, I can't wait two weeks for the next episode well, they're going to have to wait. <laughs> but if you want to learn more about the All About Beer podcast, you can visit allaboutbeer.com and you can follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And why not visit our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. If you have any questions for the experts, email podcast at allaboutbeer.com. That's also the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about supporting the show through advertising. Speaking of advertising, here's a short word from our sponsors. Looking for an easy hop sourcing experience? Yakima Valley Hops offers the finest quality hops from right here in our valley and premium growing regions around the world. Get the hops you need when you need them with ultra-fast shipping and awesome customer service. With a full line of liquid hop products and all your favorite varieties, no contracts are needed to brew with the best. Shop now at yakimavalleyhops.com. That's Y-A-K-I-M-A, valleyhops.com. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Estrella Galicia is an independent family-owned brewery in Northwest Spain, founded in 1906. Estrella Galicia Cerveza Especial is a world-class lager brewed using the finest Spanish malts, locally cultivated Galician hops, and the best brewing practices made out of the state-of-the-art facility in Acruña. Recognized around the world for quality and exceptional character, Estrella Galicia is a beer like no other. To learn more about Estrella Galicia, follow them at Estrella Galicia USA on Instagram. 
Before we go, if you like this podcast, one easy thing you can do to help us is give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. That's help, that helps other people find the show. We would also appreciate if you would let your beer-loving friends know about the show to help spread the gospel of good beer. So, Don, how can people reach out to you? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am yeah. at the Don of Beer. Uh, I love talking about beer, so people can feel free to drop me an email, don at thedonofbeer.com. Uh, and I look forward to talking to people. Em, how about you? I am at Pints, Pints and Panels across all social media, and my website is pintsandpanels.com. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on this show, and others, and to connect via the, via the newsletter and social media. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.